You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Daniel, it's Man, March. It is. It sure is. Which means we have, stories. we have completed an entire month. Good for us. Yeah. February is yep. over. Mm-hmm. And that means we have an entire month of food stories to discuss one-on-one. Yep. As listeners. Into the mics. Uh, who are familiar with the show know, at the end of every month, we talk about the most interesting, weirdest, and wackiest food stories. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do that right now. Anything else you want to say? Should we, any preamble you'd like to deliver the audience before jumping into this month of food stories? No, I just had a very delicious and overpriced coffee drink. So I am raring and ready to go. Wow. <laughs> That's such a classic Amanda thing. What do you mean? Just a half enjoy. I had a delicious and overpriced. Well, I mean, $7 is a lot of money. Yeah. Did you know when you offered, we went upstairs to our local coffee shop and you mm-hmm. offered to, you said, yeah, I'm going to buy, buy you a coffee. Did you know that our two coffees were going to come up to 14 or 15? When I said, this is on me, yeah. I was staring at the, <laughs> the screen that said my coffee was $7. So I was oh, wow. very aware of yeah. what I was offering you. That's like two movies like six years ago. <laughs> I don't know if that's, that's a weird, even close weird to thing true. To anyway, uh, to, let's, let's talk about if you stories. love this show, uh, please remember to do all the things like subscribe to it, uh, rate it on your platform of choice, and shoot us emails with feedback at upsellateater.com. And uh, let's get into it. Do you want to start us off? What's your first story? My first story is about the Delta and Diet Coke plain crush <laughs> napkins that yeah. they had to discontinue. Yeah. So I didn't know this was a thing. I haven't flown Delta in a little bit. Uh, but apparently they had these napkins <laughs> that came with all the sodas. And they said, because you're on a plane full of interesting people and hey, dot, 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 you never know, you flip the napkin over and you have an opportunity to leave your name and phone number and give it to someone else. The small print on the back says, be a little old school. Write down your number and give it to your plane crush. You never know. You never know. Let dot, me start. Dot, dot. Let me start. <laughs> One, uh, best part of this thing is that this whole story is being referred to as plane crush. Plane crush. Which is just in the subtext, like the the, the smaller text on the bottom. Hilarious, because the first thing that I thought of when I saw this, when I thought saw this was getting popular, I thought that people were mad that they were making like a plane crash joke. Right, <laughs> so I was like, "Well, plane, plane crush. yeah, plane crush as a thing. That. That's terrible. That's a really stupid thing to write on a napkin yeah, because like, it is don't so call, close to plane crash. Don't call the campaign plane crush. But they didn't. So I feel like uh, here I am. I am the defender of Delta and Diet Coke. I want to make it clear that they did not intentionally refer to this campaign as plane crush. That's just it, what people on Twitter called it. Uh, that's what it seems like people are calling it okay. the plane crush saga. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, but let's start with you. What do you think of this? What do you think of... I think it's horrible. Okay. Horrible. Go on. First of all, when you're on a plane, you just don't want to be bothered. Like, take all... Can I put a little tease here and say my first ever girlfriend I met on an airplane? But go on. Okay. I like to think of... I don't know if we were 
All right, technically girlfriend right, and talking, boyfriend. So, oh, okay, but go on. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, I have I have a girlfriend who met her husband on a plane. So I'm, I'm sure it can happen, but I'm just gonna say personally. Boom. Whenever I'm on a plane or in an airport, I like to think of it as like a different reality. Okay. Like no one that I, I won't see anyone I know. That's always my hope. But like it's always so jarring to see someone you know in an airport. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't it's be, me. I don't want to be bothered. I don't want anyone to talk to me. But second of all, no one wants unsolicited phone numbers. Yes. Yeah. Like ever. Yeah. Like I don't. I imagine there was just no woman in the room during the marketing meetings for this you know there couldn't have been no because well, no I don't woman's think like yes been... let's encourage strange men to give me their phone numbers and hit on me on an airplane no no no. the only the people who came up with this this campaign were recently thawed out from being cryogenically frozen in like the 1940s right right right. Yeah. so even if let's say okay creepy person wants to hit on someone on an airplane mm-hmm at least, like, you at least have to make some kind of connection because if you just get a napkin and it's got someone's name and number on it and you don't really know who it's from, that's like, so that's weird. useless to you, even if it's creepy, but it's also never going to do anything. No. So, yeah, I mean. You never know, dot, dot, dot. That's right. That that's me out, too. It's like, that's scary. That sounds threatening. Even if their goal was to be the airplane matchmaker, this is not a good way of, of going about it. There used to be an airline that did this where you could message between seats. What? Yeah. I think maybe it was Virgin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the idea there was that you might be flying with someone you know and you could like chat with them. Yeah. But with that, that even freaked me out because it's like, oh God, anyone could message me at any moment. Right. Wait, that's for real? Like you might get a message all of a sudden on your screen being like, hi, it's I'm in 4C. <laughs> yeah, I, you so. walked by on your way to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really liked your Goldie sweater. <laughs> P.S. I'm wearing a gray sweater from Philadelphia restaurant chain Goldie. Wow, we need a we need a free plug noise. Free plug like, noise. Amanda racked up one tahini <laughs> shake with that plug for Goldie. Wow. Uh, anyway, how long do you think this campaign lasted before they discontinued it? I think a couple weeks. I think they they turn it away. But the the thing, the funny thing with these is like once those napkins are in print and they're in the system, it's not that easy to pull them all. Like all their PR statements were like, we're in the process of pulling these from the <laughs> yeah. plane. So it's not like, it's not like you can uh, you just pull it from the internet. It's like no, we got to go on all the planes and find those yeah. plane crush and then it napkins. Ends up in some like discount dollar store. <sighs> I bet not. I would buy those in a heartbeat. Yeah. I would want them all. I still have original Four Locos with alcohol on them. I want all of the failed products <laughs> that are. It'd <laughs> be a fun museum. Yeah, for sure. Anything positive about this? I appreciate the innovation. Like I like uh, I like food products that are interactive. So I appreciate that they are trying to do a new trying thing. Trying a new thing. Well, and I will say on this this tweet that called them out as creepy um, that we linked to in the Eater story, a lot of the response to it, they, no. yeah, there are a lot of people being like, it's cute. <laughs> You'd only be mad if you don't get a phone number. Wow. Yeah. That's so classic. Yeah. That's so like, wow, screw all this the- This is hilarious. I find it funny. Carry on, Coca-Cola. Oh man! All those people are like trying to uh, are trying to troll the libtards. Like it's not. That's, yeah, yeah. There, yeah. there are all these memes. Like you need to relax. Yeah. Oh, for heaven's sake! This is cute. Not the creepy. left wing has gotten ridiculous. This is brilliant. Way to go, Coca Cola and Delta. 
Wow, a lot of a hey, lot of positive responses. I got a question for you. Do yeah. you think I'm someone who talks to people on airplanes and in transportation, in transit? Ooh, that's a great question. Because I feel like you really could be. <laughs> but I'm going to say no. Uh, I feel it out. Okay. No, but I did. I seriously met my first ever kind of girlfriend. You were trying to get us back to that story. No, I wasn't. (laughs) Tell us about your girlfriend. She was lovely. Uh, (laughs) Does it ever backfire and the person is like so into talking and then you're like, 100% yes. The worst one that's ever happened to me is I was sitting next to some. Uh, some lady who worked for iHeartRadio who's flying to Vegas to produce this big fancy show. And I was like, oh, she asked me about something. about. I had some music app open on my computer. She mm-hmm. asked me about it. It was something interesting. Talked for a second. Then this old woman next to us was like, I love concerts! <laughs> and then would not leave us alone, both of us, the whole time. She assumed we both work for iHeartRadio. And she was like, have you ever seen Garth Brooks? And she was like, no. And I was like, I don't work for them. And she's like, what row do you recommend sitting in when you go to a concert in a venue that you haven't sat in before? Like, it was insane. So yeah, that was a major backfire. But I think in general, uh, the odds work out. Shall we move on to the next story? Yes, please. Hello. Hi, Matt. Up next, huge news for the Los Angeles dining scene. The Michelin Guide is finally returning to the city. Yeah, no, it's an incredible day. Uh, I am... Okay, sorry about that motorcycle. This is Matthew Kang, editor of Eater LA, to give us this story. It was big news because the Michelin Guide left Los Angeles. They were here from 2008 to 2010, and then they were unceremoniously... Uh, I, well, I guess they they flinkered out of town because they they got nobody cared i mean it just wasn't as big of a deal in in the late aughts and you know la restaurants are casual they're not they're not fancy they're not fine dining and like wine pairings and tasting menus and all that stuff um and just it just didn't resonate with the diners here well and i would also say because it was 2008 um or it was you know they left in 2010 i feel like it was connected to the recession a little bit. Oh, definitely. I mean, in 2010, it was like burgers and pork belly and gastropubs were all the hot things. Like, nobody was opening fancy restaurants. And so it just didn't make sense for the guide to even be here. Uh, And the restaurants that they picked were, like, so irrelevant. They had restaurants in there I hadn't even heard of. (laughs) I'm like, what? Today they announced that the guide is going to be a California guide. So San Francisco and the Bay Area, which had been around since 2006, is going to be kind of rolled into this huge guide for the entire state. And, I mean, I think that's good news, not just for L.A., but also for San Diego, for Santa Barbara, for for Monterey. Uh, A lot of little culinary gems um, spread out the state that, that can now get, you know, the recognition that they deserve. The, the not-so-secret uh, deal here is that Visit California, which is the tourism board, yeah. made the announcement in conjunction with the Michelin Guide. So it's probably part of the, the deal. Dots, I mean, we can, yeah, we could probably assume that, like, hey, uh, the state of California wants, wants tourists to come here, and it's not just going to be focused on one city. It's going to be focused on an entire region. Um, it's good for all the restaurants here. But, hey, it's going to cost you. And probably making this guide is not cheap, right? If all these mm-hmm. inspectors are going around and supposedly spending their own money or the company's money, then 
it's going to take some money to do that. Yeah, that's why I think they also retracted after the recession. So it was that the dining scene was was getting smaller in terms of fine dining, but also like they didn't have the money to pay for this kind of thing. So it's good to see that they're getting funding again at the same time that LA is kind of having an explosive few years in terms of you know, growth and dining. Yeah, I mean, I think it's very validating. A lot of the chefs I talked to, sort of like the, the back room conversations and the texts that I had, people are thrilled. A lot of chefs are really excited. They want to bring their A game. They want to get starred. And I think for especially a younger generation of chefs who didn't work at Michelin starred restaurants in New York or in Europe, like, they're excited because they want that validation, right? That like, hey, like I have a one or two or three Michelin star restaurant. Like I'm I'm in the club, so to speak, of these highly uh, admired restaurants. But man, I have this huge problem because I still think that LA's dining scene is not in that mold anymore. It's still not. I mean, is a taco truck going to get a Michelin star? Well, don't you think they've evolved a little bit in terms of what they consider Michelin star worthy? Like if you look at what they're giving stars to in Asia in terms of like food carts and stalls and things like that? I do think so. And I had this conversation with Ryan Sutton late last night. I mean, he and I were texting until like midnight (laughs) L.A. times. And he said, you know, while Michelin Guide has made uh, a lot of uh, adjustments in terms of its expectations, in terms of the kind of restaurants that it gives stars to. Um, I would still say, by and large, if you look at the New York or the Chicago or the San Francisco guides, those one, two, and three Michelin star restaurants are expensive, fancy places. Yeah, they're still pretty fancy. The exception to the rule is the ramen joint or the the stand in Bangkok. I mean, maybe one restaurant will get a Michelin star that's like under $20 in Los Angeles. Uh, and that would make like international news. Um, but I would say that I wonder if a restaurant even like Bestia, which is still pretty casual, you know, it's pretty, mm-hmm. I think it's a really good restaurant. It's highly regarded, relatively affordable, you know, in like the 50 to to $100 range. Will it get a Michelin star? I hope so. I think it deserves it. I think this is a good place to point out that you run uh, a post that I love on Eater LA every year that is the hypothetical Michelin guide, like what you would give Michelin stars to. And restaurateurs get really pissed off at you if they move down or up or if they move down or off the list. It's unbelievable because I started doing this fan fiction hypothetical Michelin guide that by and large uh, the food media absolutely hates and (laughs) resents um, and chefs will I mean their response to it is unbelievable I've had I don't want to say who but I've had chefs personally appeal to me say how could you take me off that how could could you demote me from one star to zero or how could you everyone's just so thirsty look I clearly say this is just my opinion and just a projection it's it's just (laughs) it's for fun it's not serious I'm not a Michelin inspector uh, but also I also try my best with it and try to (laughs) I think that if you over the years a lot of the comments on it are people saying like you know what like this is actually pretty good. Okay. Like this is accurate. I agree. Wait, so did, Be- did Bestia with this. did Bestia make your 2018 list? I, I believe it did. Uh, I also think that there's a lot of people who criticize it and say, "Hey, like th- this is ridiculous. You have way too many restaurants on here." Blah blah blah. Because the original Michelin Guide, when it was here in LA in 2008, 2009, 
it had maybe 20 restaurants on it. Right. It was a small number, and there were no three-star restaurants. And I have two restaurants in my hypothetical guide as three stars, and Naka and Vespertine. And, you know, I think those are – I have no idea if they're going to get three stars. It would be amazing for the city because that would be a first mm. if we did receive a three Michelin star restaurant. But I think at the same time, the average diner is pretty much just like, well, that's good. It's not going to change how I eat. It's not going to make a difference to me. I already know that L.A. has great food. We don't need the Michelin Guide to validate us. Right. It's more the chefs that feel like they need it, whereas you think the media consumer doesn't really care. I think they care. I think think it's sort of – I'm surprised by the ubiquity of the Michelin Guide. I would Mm -hmm. say 10 years ago – it was very much like, oh, like you must be a foodie if you even knew what Michelin stars mm-hmm. were. Mm-hmm. And now it's like the average person who has, you know, goes to a decent restaurant a couple times a week definitely knows what a Michelin star is and what it means and what it sort of denotes for yeah. a, a dining experience. And, and I think that's that's good for the Michelin Guide. It's definitely it's become an international standard. Um, and final question, uh, are you, are you happy that this is happening? Well, I guess I'm sad because my hypothetical yeah, yeah, Michelin what's going guy will no list? longer have any relevance. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to put that to bed. <laughs> Did you enjoy the power while you had it? No, I, I actually kind of dreaded it and, uh, I, I'm very happy I don't have to do that anymore. In fact, maybe I'll just take it off the website now. So oh no, leave it up. It we got to compare. We got to see if you predicted right. <laughs> Uh, I also but, uh, like this as part of the narrative of like investments in California. Like if you just look at the media space with the LA Times revamping their food section and the New York Times hiring California critic and I think the San Francisco Chronicle with their new critic has a little bit of new life. So it's kind of an exciting time to be dining and writing about California. I almost feel like San Francisco's kind of bummed that they're not exclusive anymore. <laughs> they don't have their <laughs> own, yeah. I mean, they'll probably still take up a lot of the guide. I'm sure they will. And LA and San Francisco... I wouldn't be surprised if they were 90% of the stars given, maybe more. Uh, it's going to be a huge focus. Um, but I also think that that's probably how they got the money, right? Yeah. The California goes, oh, you want you want some cash? Like, you better be you ready to get the whole stars out to Bakersfield. Because <laughs> Bakersfield and Sacramento, I mean, the press release today said Sacramento, one of the great, I forget what the exact words were, but... They basically were like, we can't wait to have the Michelin Guide in Sacramento, one of the world's culinary capitals. I'm like, okay, that might be a stretch. <laughs> Tang doesn't buy it. <laughs> How many uh, hypothetical stars did Sacramento get? <laughs> I love Sacramento, but I don't think that they're. I don't think that they're a culinary capital of the world. Just being honest. Uh, so. That yeah, I mean, I, I do feel bad. I think LA should have its own guide. San Francisco should have its own guide. But if this is how it's going to happen, then that's fine with me. Cool. All right. Well, Matt Kang, thank you for your insight. Thanks for calling. Congrats to LA chefs uh, for getting the I don't know potential recognition they maybe deserve. Yeah, and being free from the reign, the authoritarian reign of Matt, <laughs> Matt Kang and his <laughs> hypothetical list. <laughs> oh, I'll be so relieved not to get those angry texts. Now you'll just get texts about the Eater 38. <laughs> oh, that, that, that'll never stop. It'll Thanks, never Amanda, stop. for yep. that. I, guess I have that burden <laughs> for the rest of my career. 
Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans through thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-A-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. And now back to stories. Do you have any thoughts about Martha Stewart making cannabis products for pets? I'll tell you an interesting story about Martha Stewart that I heard recently. Great. Um, okay. Tell me. So are you familiar with uh, Comedy Central roasts? Yes. Okay. So if you're not, basically uh, one random celebrity will get roasted uh, during one of these things, and there's a whole group of comedians and celebrities that will be there to basically talk shit about them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's all done in love. When you have celebrities like... Martha Stewart or, uh, I don't know, whoever, random celebrities are always on the dais, the dais, they call them. Mm-hmm. Um, they are paired up with professional comedians that help them write all their roast jokes. I was watching a thing where Ann Coulter um, was, uh, took all the jokes and rewrote them and totally bombed and was just horrible. But Martha Stewart, this guy, this guy's name is Tony Hinchcliffe. He was saying, but on the other hand, like I worked with Martha Stewart and the first call with her is he, she was just like, Tony, I want to crush. I just like, (laughs) give me everything. I will do anything. I just want to destroy. And she pushes like, her jokes are, are, are pretty risky. I mean, I believe it. I believe that she just wants to crush in every single scenario. So. I just think like Martha Stewart is the ultimate game person. She is just absolutely game. Yeah. My question with myself is like, am I over it a little bit? Like she's done the Snoop cannabis thing. Right, right. She's like this. It's too much. What do you do to stay relevant? She's not. I don't think people are as interested in her aesthetic of perfect dinner party thing anymore. She's expanding her brand. She's going with the time. So like. I think she she deserves more hero status than than I think than I give her on a day to day basis. So I am I'm all for it. I personally do not care about CBD stuff at all. As my rule about that kind of thing is like, I hate that stuff being in things. If you like CBD, take a little CBD and then eat the all the brownies that you want. Mm-hmm. And keep it separate. I like to uh, dose accordingly, even though I'm not the biggest fan of CBD. But how are you going to dose your pets without putting it in their I food? I totally forgot about the pet mm-hmm. thing. It's for pets. That's what I mean. I mean, she's just so game. Like, <laughs> she's like, whatever. Sure. Yeah. Why not? Are you giving a pet a better life by giving it CBD? I don't what do know. you think about this? I mean, I, you have no pets. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you I don't, have no pets. I don't have pets. What do you think about it? When you first saw this, uh, take me back. 36 hours ago. Oh, I mean, when I, when I, like two hours ago. Two hours ago. I was ago. like, what am I going to talk about? I, like you, just find it interesting that she's expanding her brand in this way. And she's trying to stay relevant. I'm like, mm-hmm. good for Martha. Mm-hmm. I think she already has icon status. It's like, all right, here. I don't think it's diluting her at all. The idea of giving CBD to pets, I don't know, it's bizarre. Like, if your pet is sick and needs the actual cannabis, mm-hmm. then you figure out ways to get your pet the cannabis. For sure. If it's that just like the... CBD, which is kind of like, I don't know how well it works in general. Like, it seems like kind of a. 
here's my th- if you're giving <clears throat> if you're worried about your dog or pet being bored and you want to give it a better overall life, then like hey, maybe it's bored because you've taken it in as a freaking pet and you should just not have a pet. Whoa. Well, seriously, but like, or else, or else what's the difference between just constantly drugging it I and did, being like, I did you not love think, me, you love me. I did you not think that's me. where we'd go with this. Well, it's crazy. It's just Are you like, anti-dog ownership? I'm not anti-dog ownership, but if you're like really, like, I'm really worried. My dog hates living with me and it's really bored. Don't have a dog. I just, do people say that all the time? I don't know, but if you're feeding, if you're like constantly giving your dog CBD, to Maybe enjoy its life more. Sick. Maybe if it's an old arthritic dog. Yeah. Arthritic would also be a funny name for a dog. <laughs> Food delivery app Caviar. You know the app that I use way too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, for those who don't know, it's it's exactly like Uber Eats or... Um, they do delivery for restaurants. They do delivery for restaurants. They have um, a higher markup. Yeah. Because they, they do it for the restaurant instead of the restaurant doing it. So, like, Seamless, most of the restaurants do it themselves. Caviar, they send special people, right? Yeah. And they go to fancier big city restaurants mm-hmm. that yeah. uh, aren't typically available for, for delivery. So, uh, yeah, a lot of restaurants that uh, are actually great and, you know, whatever. Anyway, they, <laughs> they're catching some flack online because through a collaboration with Pineapple they have a label called Women Powered with Pineapple. Mm-hmm. Pineapple uh, Collective, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, Pineapple Collective. Led by ladies, picked by pineapple. <laughs> the criticism that they've got is it's kind of just like a section of their app uh-huh. that is all just a list of places that are uh, women-powered. Um, in order to, uh, to to suggest a new women-powered restaurant, you fill out a little Google form. Mm-hmm. The problem is... It's like it's not you don't know who the woman is or women are that are involved. Right. So it could be the chef. It could be a sous chef. It could be an owner. It could be a co-owner. So it's just like a vague list. Like, Is there a lady here somewhere? Is there there a lady in the house? Yeah. Honestly, they're going in with a megaphone being like, hey, we got this new pineapple list. Any women here? Like it's not. I I don't know. It doesn't. It it feels a little thirsty to me. Yeah. I mean, I see. I know you're so over this kind of thing. They meant well. I mean, my take is always going to be the same, which is don't call out the ladies. Just like if I were caviar, I would say, hey, we're committed now to making sure that we have TK percentage of women owned businesses on our platform and then not call them out. Just like do that. Mm-hmm. And if you want to make a big deal out of it, you tell people like, oh, we make sure we have this many restaurants or this percentage of people. But like trying to, I don't know, play it up in that way. We're like, oh, I have this icon and there's no real rigidity around it. It just seems really silly. I mean, also, or just have a section called like, I don't know, the pineapple picks and just don't call it. Don't say that it's yeah. one. Just it's funny seeing all the different ways that people are trying mm-hmm. trying things like this. Yeah, like they're trying. So, okay, <laughs> good. But if you try to like extend it out, like what would it look like if it were other groups of people and you were giving them little icons and how that might be a bad look, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's a black person behind this restaurant. Like yeah. that wouldn't really go over well either. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe just commit to being more inclusive in the restaurants on your platform. Mm-hmm. What if there was a section for like uh I don't know, bearded head chefs? <laughs> sure. I, yeah. I, I actually think now thinking about it, it'd be fun on caviar if they did have really silly 
because it's one of the biggest problems with choosing food delivery mm-hmm. is yeah, they have their kind of Netflix suggestions for you up at the top. Mm-hmm. But if you it's like impossible it's like going to uh it's kind of like going on Netflix when you don't know what you want. Yeah. That's what seamless is like. It's very hard to pick. So I would I'm always down when they have ridiculous like anytime they have a ridiculous list of things, I'm well, like, I don't okay, think I'm gonna limit it. Women owned places is ridiculous. I'm not saying that's ridiculous. I'm just saying anytime on Caviar, they have a ridiculous list like healthy-ish choices or whatever. (laughs) Uh Or like – Raji by Bon Appetit. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. Or like time to spice it up. Mm -hmm. Try one of these 10 restaurants. I'm like, wow, who's choosing this? What a ridiculous list. But also, okay, I'm going to limit my suggestion, my selection to this thing to actually make this possible so I can eat lunch before dinner time. Tyranny of choice. Maybe not this list, but I'm all for Caviar lists. Bearded chefs would be down for – um, <laughs> so, so this trying to make a societal impact, though, albeit badly, no. But you would love some sort of sorting mechanism that that's just, just like me. actually ridiculous. Yeah, or all the bearded men. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Cool, right. okay, cool, great. cool, cool. So, <laughs> cancel the women list. Let's get a guy list going. Can we just make it more about men? I mean, I feel like it is time. Is it time? Are we are we ready to eulogize meal service kits? Maybe. Yeah. Would that make you happy if this was all done? I, I don't have a horse in this race. I I mean, well, we should just say that uh, there's been a lot of pieces that have come out recently saying, well, Blue Apron has been uh, just crumbling for mm-hmm. months now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these meal service kits, some of them are going under and none of them are none of them are, none of them are getting the up up chart emoji. Right. I mean, it's a very new thing. It's not a thing that had been done before. It's like this, you know, very startup-y world. Well, the funny thing is when these first these things started first happening, mm-hmm. Blue Apron sunk a ton of money into the market. Like they got all these fundraisers yeah. and they kind of blew everybody else out of the water. So there mm-hmm. were all these other ones at the same time and they all shut down. Mm-hmm. And now it's Blue Apron and like a couple of other well-funded mm-hmm. ones and now they're failing too. Does it make you – do you want – do you want them to fail? Do you care? I also don't have a horse in the race. I yeah. think my my biggest thing is with these meal kits is that it's so wasteful. So wasteful. Like cooking for one in New York sucks. I always tell people like it sucks to buy a single onion because you use a quarter of the onion and mm-hmm. then you don't know what to do with the onion. And so it makes sense. You use keep using the onion all week. Yeah. But like that mentality is annoying. Mm-hmm. Uh, having said that. You get an onion that is wrapped in plastic that is next to eight other things that are wrapped in plastic. Yeah. And then the whole thing is wrapped in plastic and then it's delivered to you. Yeah, and, and there's just like, so many moving parts. Three teaspoons of this thing. And it's just yeah. like, oh, God. Yeah. It's it's kind of insanity. Um, what I find funny about it is they're saying a lot of people sign up, learn how to cook through Blue Apron, mm-hmm. and then – they're like, oh, I don't need this anymore. I can, well, I've, I've learned these skills. Well, so that's and a now, great thing. Yeah, so that's great. It's bad for the business, but great for people. You ask a lot of, uh, if you ask a lot of home cook, home chef, home chefs, uh, home cooking <laughs> professionals, people who write cookbooks for the home cook, and you ask them, hey, how do you feel about Blue Apron? They're like, across the board, it's always like, it's a good gateway. It, yeah, it gives anything people, to get people cooking. It inspires people because, like, cooking is cooking simple things is not that hard. Mm-hmm. I've been cooking my whole life, so I don't, I don't. I, like a lot of people see it as learning a new language. It's something kind of that comes second yeah. nature to me, so I'm not. But like people are scared to turn on the stove. Yeah, it helps them learn the building blocks. And things are actually pretty and easy. And then they've like 
okay, I've made a salmon I'm before. I'm a freaking good cook, okay? <laughs> I, I don't like, know if I, I got can... that across. Well, once you... Yeah. I was born in a kitchen. We understand right? that Daniel knows how to cook. Yeah. But for everybody else, it's yeah, I think it's a good gateway. Mm-hmm. But it's bad for the business model because once you figure everything out, you don't need to subscribe forever. Yeah. Also, go to restaurants and read about them, you know? <laughs> well, Blue Apron people don't cook every single night. It is interesting to watch, to to be um, conscious and watch the rise and fall of something like this. Mm-hmm. And I, there aren't many, it's like, uh, there aren't many things that I have seen that for such, such a huge spike and then such a huge crash. Well, I think we see it a lot in the food space. With because, trends. No, no, no. I mean, with businesses, because... Mm-hmm. Big money investors don't understand that food is really hard. And so I think maybe we'll see less and less of it. But we've seen these things like with Maple and Mm -hmm. and other food-centric businesses that people think can scale. And they realize, like, actually changing people's habits and also dealing with the food system is incredibly difficult. It's not like a tech platform where you can just scale it infinitely. Because at the end of the day, there's living things involved. Yeah. You know? Wrapped in plastic. Have you heard about... Parents throwing slices of cheese at babies. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, let me tell you about it. <laughs> it's this thing that's been happening on social media around the world mm-hmm. where people throw slices of cheese at unsuspecting babies. <laughs> Rather than babies that are like, I'm ready for my cheese. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess they, yeah, yeah, right. at babies. Yeah, why? Uh, because it's funny, I guess. It's funny. <laughs> it is funny. As someone with a newborn baby, how evil is it? How evil? I think it's pretty terrible. But it's not. Like, the baby will recover. It's not going to be injured by the cheese. Are we talking like a craft American no, slice? No, the baby won't be injured by the cheese. It's or just... traumatized at all. No, no, it won't remember. It's just weird. And, like, weird to prank your baby for social media. Like, that's what I think is weird. Yeah, a hundred percent. Any kind of baby exploitation for social media is a disaster. I mean, we have yeah. seen so many like f- the Instagram accounts and stuff of like, you know, not going to call out any names here, but if there was you an talk inst- about food baby, if there was an Instagram <laughs> account where someone had put babies next to food, food for the and purpose turn of Instagram, it into a brand, yeah, yeah, that if bad. that existed, that would be bad. I would be like, that seems better or worse than throwing cheese. Worse because it's worse because it's, it's constant. For this is a, a one time thing. If yeah. you told me that you did this. I would not be shocked. <laughs> I just feel like I feel like that's I c- kind of think like that's that's something I like about you that you are a practical person who would know that there was going to be no long-term effects and if it sure. would really yes, give yes, you yes. if you would really enjoy it. But do you it, think that like I mean knowing my you I guess would throw I don't want to go in. I just don't want to go into it. Parmesan at your <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that's not really my social media vibe, but I don't want to get into analysis of no me and what I would do. God forbid we would talk about you. <laughs> God forbid it wouldn't just it would just be Dan and I are having a day, guys. <laughs> anyway, so you this has been a trend, and now yeah. people have expanded it to adults. Sorry, I've forgotten. And dogs. Do we know what kind of cheese it is. It's like a like package like slice, like craft slice. Cheese. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> Chrissy Teigen has tweeted about it. Has she done it? She says, I love a prank as much as anybody, but I cannot get myself to throw cheese at my adorable, unsuspecting baby who has all the hope and trust in the world in me. Yeah, I mean, I think you could make the case that, I mean, you know, again, as a mother, it's, it, 
of a newborn, um, it's important to love your child, right? Like, if not, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you just leave it in a box with a feeding tube until it can talk, right? Uh-huh. The point is, is like everything you do, even before the baby is conscious, is important in the baby's development. It's important to feel trust and feel love. So I guess having like doing this thing, which is even a tiny bit uh, malicious, mm-hmm. is not going to be helpful for the baby's development. <laughs> no, no, but it like can't it, it won't help. It it can't help. <laughs> it won't hurt. But you feel like kind of a dick doing it. I imagine um, people are doing it to their dogs now because they're like, I don't have a baby. I'm gonna throw this cheese on my dog. At least the dog will eat it. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and the dog the will be dog like, oh, will I be just like, missed it. Well, yeah, oops, uh, better work <laughs> on my reflexes. I'm going to enjoy this piece of cheese now. But, like, I do find it cute when people give babies lemons and then you see their reaction, which is kind of what this is, right? They're throwing the cheese so that the baby will make a funny reaction. Well, as a food media professional, I appreciate that people are expanding their baby's the palates, palates uh, early but on in life. It's I think just it's so really they'll important. make a funny face. Thank you so much for listening to the Eater Upsell. Uh, my name is Daniel Janine. That is Amanda Clute. Hey. We will be back next week with something else. And until then, uh, you know, eat things. I don't know. Uh, I'm just trying. Come on. Can we have a catchphrase? Everyone's got a catchphrase. <laughs> eat things. You want that to be your catchphrase? Yep. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.